Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. thank you for this year, Lord. And we thank you for this word. Thank you for, you know, just for the privilege, Lord, to be able to come together and share, Lord. Lord, I pray, Lord, that we will open our hearts. Holy Spirit, I pray that you help us to open our hearts to whatever you want to come and do, Lord. Help us, show us, guide us, Lord. Thank you that you are always there, always close. Pray that you help us to draw near, Lord. Put that conviction you put on our hearts. Let us put it to action, Lord. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your Son. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. So we started last week with this new sermon series that um, Bian also spoke about. And uh, those of you that were here last week, I just want you to just bear with me a little while. Um, I'd like to just discuss a bit again what this series is about, as well as just to give a quick recap of what we said last week, because this week builds on last week. Okay, so we are diving in it's not on the board but we are diving into a new series um, one and two timothy and titus which is uh, known for being the pastoral letters and we might ask you know what is a pastoral letter these letters give us a great overview of how to pastor well (laughs) but how to lead well as well how to care well and how to love well and it doesn't mean that it's only for pastors but the day when we said, Jesus, I want to follow you, I want to give my heart to you, we, want, we said we want to grow in, in our spiritual maturity, amen? And that is also in our pastoral gifting. And we also want to grow in our evangelistic gifting and our teaching and etc. But also in, our, also in our pastoral gifting. Then there's two other great reasons. When we understand the role of a pastor better or how to love well and lead well, we can better follow. We can better support the leader. And also, don't feel that you are not leading in any case or in in any way. There's definitely in some way God is going to use you to lead somewhere. Okay, so whether it's your household, um, whether it's at home, whether it's in family, whether it's a small group, whether it's a church, doesn't matter, but we are called to lead others and love others and care for others. Amen. And then the second reason is also when we understand the role of a pastor or a leader, we can also discern false teachers. We can discern when someone is teaching something that is not of God. Amen. And it makes sense. To know the truth is also to be be able to discern better. It says in Acts 20, Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which you obtained with his own blood. Then it says, 
I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Fierce wolves will come in, not sparing the flock. There will be false teachers, and we need to be able to discern. Okay. The three main themes of these three books is firstly, they really stress sound doctrine, something we spoke about last week. It's also one of our points this week. But Paul writes to Timothy, and the first thing that he says in this pastoral letter is, I, I urge you to go and charge those people that bring a different doctrine. Okay, so sound doctrine is top priority, um, even in a pastoral letter. Then, secondly, they share much light on church admin. They share a bit on young and old women and young and old men. How does counseling look like? Um, what, what do you need to be doing when you are an elder, etc., etc.? So it shows a bit around church administration. And then lastly, it demands consecrated living. And asking the question, can we understand or or basically be doctrinally sound, but have a corrupt life. Can that happen? And we'll discuss it a bit. So these letters basically guide and aid us in our pastoral responsibilities. Okay. So to focus on what we are doing today, we start lastly, last week on concerns. That's our title for pastoral ministries. And Paul is writing this letter to Timothy who is overseeing some churches and he is almost like Colossians seeing some issues and he is raising some concerns that he is seeing. In these verses 1 to 7, there's five concerns. And we, last week we, we spoke about two of those, or actually three, but we are going to continue with the third one and uh, finish off four and five today. So I just want to give you a bit of an overview of what we said last week. Lastly, these concerns are problematic for our spiritual growth. If we do not give attention to what Paul is saying, we, we, we will not grow in our spiritual maturity. It says, it's quite a harsh verse, so it may sound harsh, But in 2 Timothy 3, a bit later in Timothy, it's not on the board, but I want you to listen to this. Um, It's something that Paul says. He says that in the last days, difficult times will come. For people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, blasphemous, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, slanders, without self-control, savage, opposed to what is good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, loving pleasures, rather than loving God. It sounds harsh. And then it says, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. These people doing these things may have an appearance of godliness. And I think the first question that we'd like to answer tonight not saying, but we, is this, is this me? You know, do I have an appearance of godliness, but not truly seeking the will of the Lord? Something that was said also um, in the word before. 
So I want to run us through these concerns. There are five concerns, and we, you'll also see in the passage when we read. Um, we'll go over those first two briefly. But firstly, Paul is urging Timothy to remain in Ephesus. That is the first concern Paul has. And something that we learned from this last week is God is urging us to stay in our callings. Okay, He is urging and encouraging us, as is your fellow believers, urging you to stay in your calling. This was Timothy's calling to remain in Ephesus. Okay, and it seemed as if it was not that easy because Timothy wanted to leave in a sense or why would Paul urge him to stay? And what we said was that when you are walking in your calling, it's not always, we said, moonshine and roses. It, it may be difficult some, some days, but to persevere is the key. That's what Paul is encouraging Timothy to do. That was the first concern. The second concern was a different doctrine, a doctrine being preached. He's urging Timothy to go to these people and telling them to stop with what they are busy with. I'll quickly run over that as well. But the authority and the fidelity of sound doctrine is crucial. Otherwise, we will literally wander off Christianity in a sense when sound doctrine is not preached. And then lastly, neglecting to have spiritual goals, and we'll continue on this on this uh, this week. Paul is saying these people should not devote themselves uh, to genealogies and myths and stuff like that, and that is basically because we neglect to have spiritual goals. When we neglect to move into a, a direction where we grow in our spiritual maturity. We won't be struggling with myths and speaking about genealogies. and It's just a term for wandering off in a sense. Okay, so when we are focused on the goal, that will be, we will walk in that goal if we prioritize that. And that is what, it, what we will focus on today. Um, it will basically take up your time and energy and it won't mean a lot to you. Amen? So let's dive into the scripture. I'm going to read for us. 1 Timothy 1, I'm going to read from verse 3. So we are doing the last, we are actually doing verse 5 to 7 today, but I want to give you some, some background, and therefore from verse 3 is good. I will read this passage two times, um, so they don't just blow over your head, but really take in what the Scripture is saying before we start. So from verse 3, As I urged you when I was going to Macedonia... Remain at Ephesus. This is Paul now saying to Timothy, remain. So that you may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine. Nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies which promote speculations rather than the stewardship from God that is by faith. The aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart, a good conscience and a sincere faith. Certain persons, by swerving from these, have wandered away into vain discussions, desiring to be teachers of the law without understanding either what they are saying or the things about which they make confident assertions. So let's read this again, and as we go through this time, I'll point out the concerns. Okay, so Paul 
writing to Timothy, as I urged you when I was going to Macedonia, remain at Ephesus. So he's actually urged him before. Because he's saying, as I, was, as I urged you when I was going there, remain. So this is the first concern. Then he said, so that you may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine. That's the second concern. Four, verse 4 and 5 is the third concern. It says, Nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies which promote speculations rather than the stewardship from God that is by faith. faith. The aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Verse 6 is our fourth concern. It says, Certain persons, by swerving from these, have wandered into vain discussion. And seven, desiring to be teachers of the law without understanding either what they are saying or the things about what they make confident assertions. So I just want to say, this first part, it's, it's just some background. It may be a bit theological, but just bear with me, okay? In the end, we'll get to the, to the good stuff. Okay, so this third concern of neglecting to have biblical goals. Firstly, when we read verse 3, we see... Paul warning us about these false doctrines. And then secondly, he says that it, it may seem like they are spending time on these speculations. And what he's saying is that this result of wrong teaching, or this wrong teaching, is, is spilling over into wrong thinking. And then you get all kinds of myths and speculations. And you wander off from your biblical goal. And I want to ask you, just before we carry on, if I'd say, what is your goal for 2024? Is it a biblical goal? Is it something that moves you towards spiritual maturity? Because we might have a lot of goals in mind, amen? And that's good. We must have those. But is it a, a biblical goal? Is it something that, that God actually laid on your heart? Because that goal, if, if you only gave me one goal, it would probably be something that you prioritize in 2024. That's where we are heading. Okay, so keep that in the back of your mind. And we might then ask, what is a biblical goal and what does it look like? Isn't it faith in Jesus, fellowship, giving God the glory? Yes, I mean, absolutely. It is definitely that as well. But we who claim to know Jesus are called to be the salt and the light to the world. Amen. And then verse 5 says something great. It says, the aim of our charge is love. That is what we should be doing. That should be the goal, to love well. And this, this passage may, may sound in a sense a bit negative. You know, Paul saying, do not teach, you know, a different doctrine and, and beware, you know, of, of myths and where you spend your time. But this negative also implies the positive. And he's actually saying, go then and spread a sound doctrine. And he's also saying, exercising a loving faith which works through love. I mean, so that's what he's saying. He's saying, go and live a life where people can see you are my disciples. 
Amen? Like John says. So the first part of this goal may be a message of Christ proclaiming a sound doctrine. And the second part, having a Christian life. And I don't know if you remembered a while ago we spoke about the goal of church or the purpose. And we, it came down upon loving God, loving people, and reaching the world. And this love will always do that. It will always love God. It will always love people. It will always share the gospel when we truly believe it. And then the question what we might ask ourselves is, can we then be doctrinally sound but corrupt in practice, living an unfruitful life? Do you think that is possible? Well, if you take this sound doctrine to heart and you truly believe the gospel, then it is not possible. That's what James says. A true faith will result into good works. Amen? We cannot truly believe something and, it, and it, it, it cannot move me somewhere where my, my actions literally show it. I love people. And then the question, do you truly believe the gospel? That's the, the easy question. If you struggle with your actions, if you struggle with prioritizing your faith, do you truly believe what Jesus came and did for you? Do you truly believe that he bore a cross he, on his back, died for you, so that you can have eternal life if you believe in him? That is the simple question, eh? This is the goal. And this is the result. A love that issues from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. This is what genuine loves look like. This is the result when we believe these things. And it's only the word of God, going back to sound doctrine, only the word of God and the spirit that works through us that can change our hearts in these three areas. Amen? A pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. If we think of a sinner that is drawn to Christ, then if you can remember a time when you did not know God, eh? when your actions definitely did not show that you, know, that you know Him. When a sinner is drawn to Christ, what happens first? John 3, Jesus sits with Nicodemus, and Nicodemus asks him, how can I enter the kingdom of God? And he tells him, you have to be born again. That verse shows to Ezekiel 36, where God says that I will remove your heart of stone, and I will give you a heart of flesh. He gives us a new heart. We become a new person. Amen? And then what happens then? Our conscience starts to bother us. And we change our lives. Living a life of a living faith. And therefore this sequence, heart, conscience, faith. A pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith is a natural sequence. This is what happens to us. When we allow the Holy Spirit to work in us, this is what happens. We live a life of a living faith. And this gives space to true love, only a love that comes from God. 
And I don't want to go into too much detail, but let's look at these three things. Let's look at a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. And let's just dive into this. So when we, look, when we think of a pure heart, what do you think of? It's obviously not the organ in your chest, ne? But when I think of, of, a, of a pure heart, I think of, it's obviously my will and my emotions and my mind. But what does pure mean? <clears throat> when I think of pure, I think of clean water almost. Pure water. I think of a heart that allows the Holy Spirit to work in me. Do you allow the Holy Spirit to work in you? It's sometimes tough because the Holy Spirit leads us to repentance often. It's often difficult. It's, it's someone, makes me think of someone where their motives align with their actions. They don't have some hidden motive. Someone helps you, they truly love you. That's a pure heart. What, what is a good conscience? A, a good, the word good is quite a broad term, amen? But this is meant to, to be measured against the word of God when we look at a good conscience. A good conscience, when I think of a, a guilty conscience, that means a good conscience must be clear of guilt. I'm not feeling guilty about that, about things, about sin in my life. How do we become clear of guilt? We are quick to repent and we bring the things into the light. Amen? That's this awesome, the awesome power of an accountability partner, of, of praying together, bringing things into the light, repenting, saying, Lord, I'm sorry of this. And here we can already see a, a, a very good, have a very good idea of how does a true true love looks like. Firstly, it enables and allows the Holy Spirit to clean. And then secondly, we are quick to repent. And we bring things into the light. When I've sinned or when I fall in sin, I quickly repent. I'm, I'm quickly there to tell someone about it. Bringing it into the light because when it's kept into, in the darkness, it destroys us. And a sincere faith what is a sincere faith? Makes me think of without hip hypocrisy, amen. Really true. And this is, a, a sincere faith is foundational to true love. It's only through this kind of faith that we can have true love. It's a faith that actively believes in the promises and the principles of Scripture and therefore acts on Scripture without any regard of self-ambition. And to be honest, we, we will never be perfect eh, in this area. We, we won't love perfectly. But I want to ask you, and what Paul is asking us here, and what he's, he's trying to say is, where does your goals not align with what Scripture is saying? Where are you struggling to truly believe the gospel. And then what do I need to do to move to that place? James 5 verse 6 says, says we should 
confess our sins to one another and pray with one another because the prayer of a righteous has great power as it is working. Are you praying with people regularly? You know, sharing these things. Pray with someone. We're going to give time in the end to pray together. That's the third one, neglecting to have spiritual goals. If we look at our fourth concern, it is neglecting to aim at spiritual goals. When we read that verse, it's, it's based upon 1 Timothy 1 verse 6. You can read with me on the board. It says, certain persons, by swerving from these, have wandered away into vain discussion. When they swerve from these, they wander away. I think of this when we, when we look at that fourth point, neglecting to aim. What does that look like? You know, when, I think, when you think of spiritual goals. Neglecting to aim is, I think of a shooting range. And you come there and you have your gun and you just pull off a few shots. But you are, in some sense, almost astonished that you are not hitting the goal but you failed to aim at the goal. And that is something what we want to ask. Where, where does it come in when we actually hit the goal? Is when we actually aim. And when you write down that spiritual goal that you might think of, I want you to think of, of goals. You know, where is God leading you this year? Where is God leading you in, in this time of your life? Are you actively aiming towards that goal? It's really important. And the, the key where this comes in is prioritize. Do you prioritize your, your faith? We will wander away when I am not actively walking in obedience. I'm wandering away. When I'm not actively seeking what God wants for me, I'm wandering away. When I'm not actively aiming at what God wants for me, I'm wandering away. Ephesians 5 verse 15 says, watch carefully how we are walking. It's not on the board. Um, but it says, watch carefully how you are walking. Because the days are evil. And the, the focus here is how you are walking. Are you prioritizing your faith? Your goal. 1 Peter 1 verse 13, it's, it's also not on the board, but it says, therefore, get your minds ready for action. Being fully sober, set your hope completely on the grace that will be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed. Being fully sober. And if I ask you today, what, is, what do you prioritize? Now, you'd probably tell me, man, no, my faith, that's the most important thing for me. And, and Peter is saying, if you are sober-minded, this is the things that you will prioritize. And is that something that you prioritize in your life? Is there actually things that you are putting in place that you are prioritizing your faith? Maybe it is standing up an half an hour early in the morning. Maybe it's 
making food a bit earlier at night so that we can prioritize a small group. Maybe it's just better planning, maybe. Maybe it's friends. You know, bad friends in your life. Are you putting things in place? Peter is saying, watch out, because there will be temptation. And it's very ironic that we love to paint our houses, we like to service our cars, and we do these things in discipline. But the spiritual life of man, that is the most important element in life, we often neglect. Amen. In some sense, guilty of that. What are you prioritizing? What is really important? What is really in your heart? Because if I ask you, what is the most important thing, write it for me on a paper. It will probably be something nice. Something like I want to attend church more. I want to grow in my faith. What am I doing about that? Am I prioritizing it? I want to read us these two verses. It's, it's beautifully, and you've, you've probably heard it somewhere, but it is so, so powerful. The first one is Proverbs 4, verse 23, and it says, Above all else, guard your heart. And then see what, what it says further. It says, For everything you do flows from it. In Afrikaans it says, van dit bepaal jou jylle lewe. Everything you do flows from my motive of my heart. And that's why when I'm asking you what is, what is your goal, I don't want you to give me the nice answer. I want you to think of what does your heart say? What is your true goal in your heart? Amen. Because that is the thing which you will prioritize. And we should ask the Holy Spirit if we are not prioritizing these to help us. It's not something that we woke up, wake up the next day and say, oh, I'm going to love my wife more today. It just doesn't work that way. We need to prioritize these. Check the second verse. How beautiful is this? If you truly believe the Bible, this should shake you. It says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. And not meaning it in a prosperous way, you'll have nice cars and God will make you rich. No. But God will give you what you need. He knows a lot more than you. We don't even know what tomorrow will bring, James says. We don't know a lot. But God knows what you need. And He is so more intentional in your faith than you are. Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. It's a difficult thing to do. Not my kingdom, but His kingdom. And maybe this is the thing that really gets you down. Maybe you worry about life. Maybe it's kids and it's university and you're thinking and maybe there's just problems and this is the thing that's really killing you is really having faith really trusting that God will provide he says that he will he's caring for the birds in the air he will care for you 
Amen. And he knows the best. Sometimes we neglect our first love. Let's turn back to the one who gives true life. Amen. Right, so that is the fourth concern. Moving to our last concern, the fifth one, impure motives. You can read with me verse 7 there. It says, desiring to be teachers of the law without understanding either what they are saying or the things about which they make confident assertions. And it's not going to be on the board, but I just want to read you verse 6 as well. It said, certain persons, by swerving from these, that is showing to verse 5, which we spoke about love, true love, this love that comes out of a pure heart. Certain persons swerving from these, that love, have wandered away into vain discussion. Now verse 7, these people are now desiring to be teachers of the law. Understand the context. Without understanding either what they are saying or the things about which they make confident assertions. And the, the first point that I want to make is that it's not a bad thing to desire to be a teacher. I mean, that's a good thing. But understand what Paul is saying. This looks like someone who really struggles with an ego type of problem, yeah, ne? without humility, wanting to be a teacher. And the question always to ask, if you are desiring to be a teacher or you like to speak or you just like to maybe hear your own voice, the question is, well, why do you want to become a teacher? Why do you want become a teacher it's a good thing and and, uh, maybe some of you don't want to become a teacher but the question is is there a humility when I speak is there a bold this is obviously referring to the church in those days when Paul wrote this letter there were this Judaism Jewish um, preachers and they would come into the churches and they would infiltrate and they would say, yes, what Paul said is great, but remember to keep the law. And what they meant is remember to circumcise yourself. Remember to keep the food laws. And they just want to say something and now they are bringing disunity and they are actually saying the wrong things. Also the things where, where Paul, which to what he was speaking to when he said, do not let them teach another doctrine, a different doctrine. Referring to these guys. They want to say all kinds of things. they yearning to be teachers. When Jesus is not exalted, there should be a red light. When you listen to anyone and Jesus is not the focus, there should be a red light. When Jesus is made a bit less and ourselves a bit more, there should be a red light. Jesus is God. I mean, this is sound doctrine. Jesus is God, and he died for us on the cross. And only through faith we are saved. And that faith will produce a work in us when we believe it truly with our hearts. And that is the question that I'd like to land us tonight with. Do you truly believe the gospel? Do you prioritize Jesus in your life? Because when you do, 
Your life will change for the better. Amen. How dangerous a thing can it be if someone teaches but they find their identity in what people might think. And I think all of us can think of that guy, eh? that person in your family or that guy at work or even maybe at church where they are just speaking all the time like to listen to their own voice. That is not the goal. The goal here is to think, is that you? Okay? So the goal is to reflect in your own heart. Is there something that I always want to say? Is my heart always to build up the church or the company or wherever you raise your voice? Because it may come out of an insecurity when we'd like to always speak and say something. And this is what Paul is saying. There are people in that. And we should be aware of that. Amen? It's a quick test that we can do. And it's always... when. When you have a good idea and this idea is actually used, do you feel offended when you are not, when you do not receive the praise? Almost something that Estelle also shared. When you are not, when you do not receive the glory, are you offended in a sense? Amen. Because God deserves all the glory. We just sang it. All the glory. He made you. He gave you that awesome thinking. And it's, I'm not saying that it's wrong to praise one another. It is a good thing. But if it's a yearning in your heart to be praised, you should be careful. Amen? So I want to, I want to end off for us. I want to show these, these prayer points on the board. And I want us to, I'm going to explain us through it. And I want you to pray with someone tonight. But you know, you do not always pray with. Maybe out of your comfort zone. And if it is someone you always pray with, it's also okay. It's just really important that we turn to someone and pray tonight. And I'm going to give us a few minutes for this. Let me take you through the prayer points. The first thing is, is your goal in life or in 2024 or whatever you've written on your paper, is it to love God more? And to love people more. And what I'm asking is, is it going to grow you in your spiritual maturity? Is it something that's moving you in your faith? That is the first question. The second question is, are you seeking God's kingdom first? Are you wondering? And what I'm asking is, are you prioritizing that goal? That first goal. And I want you to think of action plan, how to put this goal into practice. Is it by waking up at 5? Is it by waking up at 5.30? What is it? Let's pray for one another. Let's keep one another accountable. Otherwise, failing to aim is going to get you nowhere. Amen. And then lastly, is there a desire in your heart to be heard seen by people and what his also said is, is really important god is he deserves it all and he accepts you the way that you are no need to be accepted by people 
And maybe the question, where do you find your identity? And maybe if it's somewhere else, let's pray for one another. 